Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Annunciation Designs, calling to mind the sacred in the midst of the ordinary. Visit AnnunciationDesigns.com. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 57. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today we are beginning our series on home. Today's chat is with Claire Dwyer, and as we enter into Advent and this new liturgical year, Claire and I are talking about our home being a sacred space and what it means to be present and available to our families and to the Lord. For a bonus episode with Claire and other past guests, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash diapers and disciples. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Claire. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Amber. It's great to be with you. I am really excited to chat with you about um, home life, starting this new series, especially uh, coming into this time of Advent, because at the time of this release, it's like day one or day two (laughs) of Advent. Um, So before we get into that, I would love for you to just start us off and tell us a little bit about you and about your family. Yeah, absolutely. So I currently live in Phoenix, um, but I'm a native of Wisconsin, Milwaukee area. Um, I grew up in a very devout Catholic home. That was a a blessing for me with parents who were heavily involved in the pro-life movement, and that's actually how they met. Um, And then I really, so I grew up with a love for the church and, and a strong faith, and I wanted to grow in that. So I um, attended Franciscan University of Steubenville because I knew that was a, just a wonderful Catholic atmosphere. And I started out as an English major because I love to write, but I took one class with Scott Hahn as a freshman mm-hmm. and I thought, forget it. <laughs> I can't study English anywhere. I want as much of this as I can possibly get. Yeah. Um, and that was funny too. I wasn't supposed to even be in that class. Freshmen were not allowed. And by accident, in quotes, accident, I ended up there. But that was God's, I believe, God's plan for me. Right. So I switched my major, became a theology major, met my husband there as well. And we were married um, almost immediately after graduation and had six kids right away. So I didn't actually use my degree much outside of the home. But now um, I do work part-time at our local parish here in Phoenix um, at St. Thomas the Apostle doing, um, helping out coordinate, uh, to coordinate some of the adult faith formation programs. Oh, great. And I'm also an editor, um, so I am using writing. I'm editing a fantastic website called spiritualdirection.com. What is that website? I, I haven't heard of that. Yep. So spiritualdirection.com is part of the Avila Foundation, which is kind of the um, umbrella organization um, that does incredible work for the church. They do um, radio programming, um, Divine Intimacy Radio for EWTN. They do that. They have the Avila Institute, which is a um, continuing education program in Catholic spiritual theology, where I'm currently studying. Okay. And um, another ministry that they have is this website, and they have all kinds of fantastic resources for those that want to grow spiritually in strong, authentic Catholic, um, with that strong Catholic identity. Um, So totally faithful to the magisterium and the spiritual teaching and heritage of the church. And so I'm privileged to be able to edit 
um, their blogs and articles and also contribute some of my own. So that's been a blessing. And then as well, I write on my own blog, even the sparrow.com. And recently I started writing the gospel and Sunday reading reflections for the national Catholic register, which is the the place to go for solid Catholic news. I have to just put that plug in. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, so I'm very busy and happy to be using that background um, in theology that I got 20 some years ago and for a while thought I was never going to use, but it's coming in handy now. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? You, um, you never know how, how the Lord's going to use, uh, you know, your degree or training you've had in the past and, or events that have taken place in your life. And, um, and then you see, you know, years down the road, how, how you're able to use that. That's really neat. Um, so when it comes to living out the Great Commission um, as a mom of six, you said, right? Yes. My kids are 20, ages 20 through six. Yeah. What, what does that look like for you? Um, so the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and that's tremendous responsibility that we've been given. I guess I, I would answer that this way. I, I'll tell you a story. How about that? Yeah, that sounds great. So when my youngest was a baby, um, I started to really sense in prayer, the Lord say to me, I have more for you. And I thought, well, that's great, Lord, because you know what? The dishes and the diapers and all that, like (laughs) it's getting a little old after six kids and I'll take whatever you've got for me. And I was just kind of like waiting for whatever he had for me. To, to kind of be revealed, praying about it, waiting on it. And after a while, what I really began to sense again in prayer was that the more that he had for me wasn't to go wider, it was to go deeper, mm, I love to that. go deeper into the heart of my family, to be more present to them, to be more, um, more of a servant to them to anticipate their needs better, to just let some other things in my life go so that I could be more for them. Because with six kids, um, it takes a lot, you know, there isn't a lot of room in our life for more. And what I realized that was probably about six years ago. And obviously since then there has been more for me. Um, But what he taught me in that is that he would never ask more for me as far as serving him and serving the church until I had gotten my priorities straight. Mm. And so the first recipients of the gospel are our families. And God will never want more for us until we are able to give our all to that. So I think that for me, the Great Commission means see the people that God has placed closest to you and don't look beyond that until you have figured out how to be fully present to them in the way that they need you the most. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that so much. And I, I feel like that's such a a great transition into this idea of home life as well, because something I've been thinking about recently is, um, you know, when I have guests come over into my home, um, I can tend to, and I've talked about this on a previous podcast, tend to be kind of guest-centered <laughs> where I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about, you know, of course, being attentive to their needs, which is important and making sure they feel um, comfortable and at home. But sometimes then, you know, my, my f- spouse or my children 
I'm, they're not like in the forefront of my mind and are kind of the back burner. And I, and I love what you said about how um, just getting our priorities straight and realizing like that what the Lord has called us to, you know, first and foremost is as wives and mothers is, is loving our family um, and having that set up first, that priority um, set in place. I really love that. Um, so as you mentioned, you have, you have a blog, Even the Sparrow. And um, I wanted to ask you about one of your more recent posts where you talk about this idea of uh, sacredness of places. So whether that be like where we grew up or our current home. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that idea of, uh, of sacredness of spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that over the summer after visiting my going back to Wisconsin to visit my childhood home and not just our home, but some of the places that I, you know, really spent a lot of time growing up this particular Carmelite shrine that, that I'm, that I spend a lot of time at. And the, the idea had been in my mind for like two years, just to write about the idea of how that our homes are sacred in the sense that they prefigure something that God has gone to prepare for us in heaven. And the reason that we long for a home that reflects us and that is beautiful and warm and welcoming is because that's what we've been made for. Hmm. Um, that's a very natural longing because it is something that's been built into us by God himself. But, um, but this particular summer, it really was driven home because um, I was at the same time that I was in my childhood home, kind of feeling those roots grow back under my feet and just, you know, reestablishing all of these connections from my past and realizing the sacredness of it. My husband was at home painting our daughter's room. Mm -hmm. And because she said she was graduating from eighth grade and she said, all I want is for you to make my room beautiful. And we agreed it was it was time for a facelift. We really hadn't done anything since we moved into the house. And she has to share a room with her little sister, which is not going to change. But we could change the paint color and the bedspreads. And we could make it more of something that was reflecting her as she was growing up. Mm. And when we got home from that trip and my husband opened the door to show her her bedroom, her face just lit up. And you could tell that Oh, it was like this was for me, wow. and my dad had done this for me mm. because he wanted to to love me that way. And I thought, gosh, this is what it's going to be like when God throws open the gates to heaven. And it's like, look what I've prepared mm. for you. And it's going to be, you know, it's a mysterious analogy. It's imperfect because we just don't, we'll never fully understand it. This side of heaven, what that's going to be like. But I think that God gives us these little glimpses of truth. And the idea of the sacredness of home is one of those little glimpses of what heaven. And I was in that post, I was saying, you know, this is why I'll go to Target or Walmart or whatever, and I'll have the best of intentions to get like toilet paper and laundry detergent. Mm -hmm. And I come out of there with like throw pillows <laughs> and like candles. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this desire like, oh, that would, you know, is this the thing that's going to finally make my house mm -hmm. <laughs> beautiful? <laughs> you know, a home that I want it to be. And my daughter loves that show Fixer Upper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the, uh, the gains and how they, you know, they see these 
these um, houses that are, you know, falling apart and they're dated and the gift that they have to create something that's not only beautiful, but reflects the people that they're serving Mm. is just tremendous. So Mm. yeah, I think that's why that show is so appealing and HGTV is, you know, so it's such a popular one because that's just a desire that we all have. Yeah. Wow. I, I really love that. I'm, I'm thinking about, um, so people who are listening to the show now who maybe feel like they don't live in like ideal circumstances or they don't feel like they're, you know, in their forever home, maybe they're even in an apartment and, um, thinking about, um, like, well, this isn't really the home I'm going to be in long-term. Um, how do you have any encouragement to kind of be able to like step out of that mindset and step into the idea of like, this is where the Lord has you for, you know, for this time? You know, yeah. So my children go to, um, a small Catholic school, And we're able to rent um, a school building at a parish that the school had closed. And so we're a private school, but we're not associated with a parish. Anyway, we've outgrown the space and we've had to kind of make do because the buildings are not our own. We're just renting it from the parish, Mm -hmm. and um, which is a good problem to have. The school's growing and it's it's a wonderful community. But one of the things that um, I noticed on the first days of school was that my daughter's classroom... Um, in her third grade classroom was a divided classroom now. So they had so many classes, they had to split a classroom in half. They had to build these temporary walls and they had to put up like construction grade soundproofing. And there were no windows in the classroom except for one little window on the door because they divided the classroom and no longer had windows. And Mm. my first thought of walking in was, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) It didn't look pretty. It was the teacher had done her best to make it beautiful. She had put, you know, pictures up and she had done a wonderful job of making it homey and doing the best that she had. But she had told another mom something that really stuck with me. She said, well, this is where God wants me right now. Hmm. And so she made it, she did the best she could and she just embraced it that this was God's will. So she couldn't have this bright, big, beautiful classroom, but she could do the best with what God had given her because that's where he wanted her. And then, you know, and I don't know what the lesson is for her there, but for whatever reason, um, it was an acceptance of God's will. And I thought, oh, that's just beautiful. So mm-hmm. I think that for those of us that maybe not do not have the Chip and Joanna Gaines like finished product, I do not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, even mm-hmm. if I, I would say we're probably in our forever home, but man, most days it does not look like I want it to look. Yeah, um, because it's you know nothing really. The side of heaven is permanent, but I just try to do the best that I can with what God's given me, and that's being a good steward. So if you're in an apartment or you're in a home that feels too small and too cluttered or just inadequate, just know that that's where God has you for a reason and to embrace it and um, to be a good steward of what he has given you. And, you know, I just, you know, religious images, pictures of our family, like beautiful, even just a candle or a throw pillow, sometimes things like that can go a long way to make it feel more like you, even mm. though it's not 
yours or maybe not your forever place. Right. That's great advice. Yeah, I really love that. Um, and then kind of along the same lines, um, so the idea of of a space being, uh, of your home in particular being like a sacred space and, you know, um, not necessarily just a place where you come home to and like throw all your stuff down and like go to bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm wondering like how, how can we either, I don't know if it's like a mindset shift. I know you mentioned stewardship. So maybe it's something along those lines of um, being good stewards of the space, but how can we uh, just kind of treat and, and embrace our home as, as a sacred space? I think if we realize it already is sacred, hmm. right. And just, that this is the place that God has called us to love and so and and to bless our families and to bless our families through us and if we can see it that way then we ha- can have a greater understanding of our homes as part of our domestic church mm. when we talk about the church when we say that word in, in light of the catholic church we think of the community of course mm-hmm. the church is universal in the sense of you know, even the church militant, the church suffering, the church triumphant, it's the people. Mm-hmm. But the church is also a sacred space that's dedicated with special prayers um, that has contains relics in the altar that is um, has been blessed again and again. And it is a concrete material building. And so are our homes, our mm-hmm. church, our homes, our family is the people, but it's also... Um, our homes are part of that in a really real, real way. If you haven't had your home blessed by a priest, that would to me be this first step yeah. in consecrating your home mm. and um, setting it aside as something sacred and different. And when you enter your home, um, to know that this place has been set aside from God. And that's why we're so I'm sure that everybody listening would agree that that's why we're so vigilant about what comes into our home, mm-hmm. whether it's like the conversations that are allowed in our home or the television programs or the music or whatever. If we really look at our homes as this place is set aside for, for, for loving our families and blessing our families, then we wouldn't allow anything in our home that would um, violate that. Mm. Yeah, And, you know, I'm not this. I just, you know, I always, you know, my home is messy more often than not. And uh, so I think it's less of like how it looks or um, what we do with it and more of how we look at setting it aside as something sacred and different than what the culture, mm-hmm. um, when we go out into the world, like this is, this is different. This is special and set apart. Mm. Yeah. I, I really love that. Just the, just the realization that this is, you know, a space that's, that's set apart and having that, that mindset, um, it does have you think about your home differently and treat your home differently. And, and I love what you said about having your house blessed, because I think especially with, you know, the time of season we're in now with, um, Advent approaching and I, with the, you know, the start of the new liturgical year. And, um, I think there is even, like a house blessing specifically for maybe it's for the feast of the three kings or coming up you know after after yeah, christmas but right. this is just yeah. like a, a good time of the year to start 
thinking about that. And um, so as we are approaching, as we're in Advent now, you know, when this releases, do you have any thoughts on um, preparing our homes, you know, like we're preparing our hearts for for Christ's coming. Um, do you have any thoughts on like preparing our homes as well? You know, I actually, I probably, and maybe it's just me, almost have to look at it in reverse. Mm, okay. As we're getting our homes ready, like what am I doing in my heart? But I will say, I'll, I'll share one little practice that we do and that I think a, that a lot of people do. But um, so we, I'll, we have a little manger scene. Um, it's bigger than our our nativity set. So we have this little empty manger that my children are invited to put a straw or sometimes cut up a piece of yellow yarn to represent straw Mm -hmm. um, to create a soft place for baby Jesus. And just to kind of help them visualize that our sacrifices create a place for Jesus in our heart and a Mm -hmm. space for him in a, in a time, in a season that is so anxious to fill us up with a lot of things that are not Jesus. Mm. Um, there's just, it's, I think Advent is a time when our culture and our liturgical year are probably most at odds. And so it's mm. a constant challenge to remind ourselves of what the season actually, you know, is, is about. Hmm. So, so practically for that, I, I love that idea. Um, you, so when a, when a child, um, is it like a family effort or is it just, you know, when a child makes a sacrifice, uh, you as a, as the parent recognize it and have them place a piece of, of, of yarn or hay into the manger or how does that work exactly? You know, it's done different ways in our home. We just have the one manger. And if I catch a child being good, or maybe they'll come to me and say, mom, I shared my, you know, last cookie Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'll say, yeah. okay, great. <laughs> then go put a, you know, go put a piece of straw in the manger. That was, you know, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, a- another woman I know suggested that each child make a little manger out of like a shoebox or something, and that they would um, secretly, um, when they do their sacrifices, they would secretly put the yarn in, which is also oh. a nice practice to just re- remember, like it's not about show. Nobody has to know this is kind of between you and Jesus and getting your heart ready. But we just have the one and we do it as a family. And then on Christmas Eve, we put the baby Jesus in the manger with all of the straw that represent the sacrifices. And it's just a great visual um, for the children. Another woman I know says that she actually wraps a statue of the Christ child. And that's the first gift they open at Christmas to represent that Christ is God's gift to us. Oh, wow. That's neat. Of our salvation. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. Very neat. And um, so I'm, I'm interested in what you said, because there are probably a lot of people that relate to that. The idea of, um, you know, sometimes it's actually the other way around. It's like we're preparing our homes, but we're not necessarily preparing our hearts, maybe like we're preparing our homes. Um, so did you, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share, um, on that in particular, like preparing our hearts for Christ coming at, at Christmas? Yeah. Um, I, having a family really drives this home for me because, you know, we turn on the radio, um, after, before Thanksgiving and there's Christmas carols and of course, yeah, (laughs) like in our face all the time. And, and even, even, you know, at our parishes or schools, like there's parties, Christmas parties before Christmas. And it's just impossible to totally get away from that. 
But of course, Mm -hmm. the season of Advent is a time of waiting and expectation and longing and of being awakened to our own brokenness and need of a Savior, which is really hard to kind of meditate on when you're being force-fed, you know, almost all of the celebration, um, which is which is what we're waiting for. It's, and we're not supposed to be celebrating Christmas right after Thanksgiving, but, but our culture mm-hmm. does. So it's hard. Mm-hmm. But I have found that the more that we can live liturgically, the more that we can really, even in the midst of all of the celebration, and I'm not saying like we have to be Scrooge and, and not enter into that. I think it's kind of impossible not to somewhat. But if we can at least in our hearts remember that this is a time for waiting and expectation and longing, and the best way that I've found to do that is to read the Mass readings every day because Mm -hmm. the liturgy provides us with that compass for what we're supposed to be focusing on and working on and praying about. Um, And so every morning, if you can just even just spend 10 minutes with the readings and the gospel of the day, it really helps you kind of reset um, you know, your kind of internal clock to the season, the prayerful season that Advent is. Hmm. I love that. And I, I feel like this is such a great time if if we don't have an established practice already of, of prayer time or um, time of like meditation, you know, on the readings or on scripture. This is such a great because there's, you know, it's a start of something new, a new season. Exactly. It's, it's a great start time to begin it. The first, right, yeah. the first day of the year for the church. So, you know, even more so than January 1st, this is time to like reset the clock um, and just say, okay, new year, new mercies, like, you know, new practices. It's perfect. Hi, friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Annunciation Designs. With tea towels, baby swaddles, apparel, and hand-lettered cards, Annunciation Designs is helping you call to mind the sacred in every aspect of your home and family. But today, I wanted to tell you specifically about the newest project from Annunciation Designs, The Wanderlust Catholic. Each month, subscribers will receive a letter from character Bona Therese as she explores churches, apparition sites, saints' homes, local traditions, and more, beautifully hand-lettered and illustrated, and detailing the beauty and wonder of a piece of Catholicism, these letters each month will be cherished. Last month, my family and I literally took a pilgrimage to a saint's home and a Marian apparition site in France. But trips like this are often once or twice in a lifetime. With a subscription to The Wanderlust Catholic, you can take a pilgrimage in your living room every month with your kids. And if your kids love stories as much as mine do, The Wanderlust Catholic is bound to be a hit for your family. You can subscribe for just $6 a month at AnnunciationDesigns.com slash Catholic. And if you use the coupon code DIAPERS15, you'll receive 15% off your first three months. Guys, this is seriously an amazing deal, and it would make an awesome Christmas gift for your kids, nieces and nephews, or godchildren. Again, it's AnnunciationDesigns.com, or find the link and coupon code in today's show notes. Something we've been trying to do over the last couple years um, And I think this year, it'll be like even more so. We're just kind of, you know, slowly taking baby steps. So something we've been trying to do is really 
think about ways that we could space out um, space out our preparation for Christmas um, with feast days throughout Advent, um, like you mentioned, like living mm-hmm. liturgically. Okay. So for example, not necessarily getting our tree like right after Thanksgiving, but waiting until um, St. Nicholas Day. And then it's like, oh, to celebrate St. Nicholas Day, mm-hmm. we go and get our tree. And then, um, you know, on St. Lucy's Feast Day is when we're going to do the lights on our house and do the lights oh, on the tree. Beautiful. And I love that. Thanks. Yeah. So I, and I'm sure it's not my idea. I think it was from, you know, and something else I heard, but I, I love that idea of, uh, yeah, just kind of spacing it out slowly. So it's not, um, everything changes in our home, you know, overnight, right after Thanksgiving. But um, even the practical things of getting ready for Christmas are, you know, slowly done as we're, as we're, you know, working through Advent. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that's the way the church is. It kind of leads us up. And even that third Sunday of Advent, you know, being the one that we focus mm, on joy, because it is a joyful yeah. season. It's not that we have to walk around with our heads down and, not try to enter into to, to some of it. But another th- way to look at it too is to extend the celebration of Christmas. So when everyone else's trees are on the curb on the 26th or 27th, yeah. to help our families remember, okay, now mm. we're fully into the season and maybe even opening gifts throughout you know, the 12 days following Christmas or um, – the eight days of the feast itself, you know, and kind of extending the celebration and reminding the kids it's still Christmas. The world is telling us it's not, but it is still Christmas. And the beautiful thing is that those graces are available to us, but we just have to be open to them and mindful of them. There's Mm -hmm. a specific grace for Advent Mm -hmm. and there's a specific grace for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be alert and ready, um, which is the first um, I know this because I've been writing the gospel reflections for the paper. But the first Sunday of Advent, look at the gospel reading. It's not even about expectation. It's about the second coming. Well, it's, it is about expectation, but as far as not, it's not so much the Christ child as it is wake up, wake up, yeah. you know, be, be awake and alert and keep your eyes on the east and stand up straight and tall and know that your salvation is at hand. And so all of the things that we do to prepare for Christmas, that's really what it's about. Hmm. That's so great. Um, so Claire, you wrote a, another post recently as well about, um, about presence, or maybe you use the word availability, actually, oh, yeah. um, where you're talking about, um, yeah, just I think being present or being available. So I wanted to ask you about that as well, especially, you know, in this season of Advent, um, where, you know, we're wanting to be, you know, more present, more attentive to the Lord, but also more present and available to our families and, um, and those around us. Did you, did you have any thoughts on how we can do that more effectively? Oh, yes. This is something I wrote about because I struggle with it. So let me just put that out there right now. Let's be really clear. This isn't something I mastered. Um, but you know what? It goes back to, I think, your question about our homes. Like, how do we sanctify our homes and set them apart? Well, part of it is our own demeanor in our home. Gosh, the presence of a like a happy mother who um, is warm and welcoming when her kids get home 
I mean, you just can't ask for more as far as making the house something special. Um, I, I had noticed, the reason I wrote the post is that I had noticed that as life got busier, ironically, as my kids get older, I thought I would have more time, but I don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there was, you know, there's just this trying to cram like more hours into the day or at least more stuff into the day. And I had had this um, temptation to be getting more done um, even when my kids were home, even though now my youngest is at school all day. I was still not fully engaged with them when they were home because I was trying to get other stuff done. And I just had this epiphany one day when I was looking at my schedule, like, I can't do that anymore. I just need to be present. And what by present, I mean, not just physically present, but emotionally available to them, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, we never can stop or at least I feel like I can never stop doing something, folding laundry, doing dishes, picking something <laughs> yeah. up, whatever, tending to somebody's needs. But I can be, I can be more emotionally available in the sense of I'm not listening to music or even a podcast as fabulous as it might be. Right? <laughs> it's time for all of that. But when my kids are getting home from school, especially that was when I really noticed it the most. When they're full of stories about their day and questions about homework and they're tired and they're hungry, I need to be emotionally available to them. Hmm. So even if I'm making dinner and even if they're not at that moment talking to me, when they do come in with a question to turn and look at them in the, in the eyes and not have anything else going on and be able to answer that question, like it sounds like such a little thing. But my kids were calling me on it and they were saying like, mom, why do I have to ask you three times yeah. <laughs> before you answer? I'm like, ah, because my mind isn't here. You know, I'm thinking about this work email I have to send or, you know, I'm listening to something and it's got half my attention. Um, and so the more that I'm able to just concentrate on listening for their needs and, and even anticipating them the more peaceful our home is. And then that translates into our spiritual life too, of mm. course, because we have to be available to even hear God. And if we're cluttering cluttering our life with a lot of noise that doesn't need to be there, he may be speaking to us and we can't even hear him. Mm. Wow, that's so true. And this like hits home <laughs> so, mm. so much for me, especially, um, you know, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about after reading that post, how often... Um, my kids will say, I, I have young ones now, you know, two and four, and, you know, they want me to play with them. And I'll say, okay, after I finish doing these dishes or after I switch out this load of laundry, but it feels like I'm like saying it all day. <laughs> and I was thinking about the idea of setting aside, you know, a block of time, whether that be in the morning, or in the afternoon, where it's just us sitting and reading together and the dishes can wait and laundry can wait and whatever else, you know, can wait or, or just us, you know, on the floor playing with their little critter animals and and things like that, that, um, that I tend to put on the back burner, but I know are, I know should be, you know, further up on my, on my priority. Um, Kids, and, kids have this sense of like when they have your undivided attention and they, they love do. it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. Get, they get so excited. It doesn't even matter what you're doing. If they know they've got all of you, 
uh, I have a friend who called it because um, she always tried to give her kids like 20 minutes of undivided attention a day, which doesn't sound like a not a lot, excuse me, but undivided attention is kind of, especially if you have a number of kids, kind right. of hard to find time just to focus on. But she called it the 20 minute miracle. Mm. She said, if I could give my kids 20 minutes of undivided attention every day, it was transformative for mm. their relationship with each other and for the, for the family. Um, and I always remember that the 20 minute miracle, it's almost a miracle of what can happen mm. when our kids get all of us. I, I really love that. And I, I think that's a great goal as well. Like something that doesn't feel totally overwhelming, but I can commit to 20 minutes of undivided attention for my kids, Mm -hmm. um, every day. And, and you're right. They do notice. And that time makes such a, such a difference in their attitudes and their behavior and, um, yeah, in their, in their day. And I, and I love what you were saying about, um, I forget exactly how you said it, but a, a, just a happy and peaceful and welcoming mom makes such a difference in a in a home. Um, yeah, I, I just love that. Um, and I think sometimes I can feel um, like maybe I'm <laughs> I'm not the like warm welcome not as warm or welcoming or as loving as I can be with my kids because I, I do have my mind cluttered with to-dos and lists of lists of things. But, um, you know, especially for, you know, moms who have kids that go off to school and then, or husbands that go off to work. And then when they come home, when members of their family come home, being able to just welcome them into a peaceful place mm-hmm. and not a place of stress. Um, I, I really like that, that idea a lot. It's very neat. Um, so Claire, I'd love to ask you, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Well, one specific way that he's um, just kind of manifested himself beautifully is that I um, I had never been a part of like a religious community like Opus Dei or, you know, a third order, you know, mm-hmm. third order Franciscans or Dominicans. I'd always kind of wondered about that if I was called to something like that. And in, in the last couple years, I've been associated with this private association of the faithful called Apostole VA, Apostles of the Way, mm-hmm. which is relatively new, um, beautiful uh, group of people who are just trying um, to live the contemplative life, even within the world, and to follow the teachings of the church um, faithfully. And to share that with other people. And so just this past year, I entered deeper into an um, association with them as a disciple. And that has brought tremendous blessings and fruitfulness in my own life. And God is kind of saying, you know, I really love you and I want to give this to you, this wonderful community of faith, which is, um, it's not local. So I'm, you know, the only disciple in Phoenix and so we have online meetings and we keep in touch in different ways, but, um, but it's been tremendous. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really great. And is that something, um, uh, I guess you're probably doing it individually or are you doing it with your husband and family as well? Is it a family um, commitment? You know what? It's just me right now. My husband's completely supportive and on board, but he's not, um, called to it. So you don't have to do it as a married couple. I see. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Very neat. 
And um, what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Okay, my favorite part of my home is the corner of my living room couch. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is like a specific corner. And my kids know when I'm sitting there, I'm praying. Mm. And um, sometimes they'll come and cuddle up next to me or they'll just tiptoe away. But um, it's a, just a little place that I've set aside. Um, sometimes I work or read there, but most often I just pray. And I love it because it's our front window that it looks out over faces east, which is the traditional, mm. um, you know, um, posture for prayer is to look east. So I sit there early every morning um, as the sun is rising or now it's winter. So the sun never rises <laughs> while I'm there because it's pretty early if I'm going to get up before everybody else. And I just look at the sunrise and pray in that little corner um, of our house. Beautiful. I love that. Um, and what have you been loving recently? Oh my gosh. So recently, one of the things that I do at our church is I lead a women's study group. Oh, and okay. this year we're studying the Endow um, study on St. Teresa of Avila. Oh, great. Who is the great doctor of prayer, the great reformer of the Carmelite order. And it's phenomenal. And any women that are looking to go deeper into their own journey of faith and to find out more about the richness of the church, check out Endow Groups because it's a great resource. And all other studies that we've done, we've done four of them now, have been good. But I love this one about St. Teresa of Avila. And she um, is the doctor of the church on prayer. So if you want to understand more about the depths of prayer and the stages of prayer, she's somebody to go to. And she's got a great story too. Her life was amazing. And she didn't, she admits that she didn't even really seriously begin to pray until she was about 40 years old. Oh, wow. So I didn't realize hope, that. Ladies. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow. And um, so are those studies primarily focused on, on saints or on the liturgical year or how are they, how are they broken up? Yeah, so um, the Endow is an acronym for Educating on the Nature and Dignity of Women, and it was started mm -hmm. by a group of women in Denver who had read the Pope, Pope John Paul II's Letter to Women, which was written in, I believe, 1995. And they said, you know what, we need to make this known, like all of the great things that the church teaches about femininity and the feminine genius um, starting with Pope John Paul II. And so they created a study on the letter to women. And then they also created a st study on mulieris dignitatum. So those are like their two foundational studies. Um, so they have studies on church documents. Um, the one that we did last year was on Salvaficia Dolores, which is Pope John Paul II's letter on the Christian meaning of human suffering. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and then they also have um, studies on saints. We did St. Catherine of Siena. We did Edith Stein, um, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, um, and now St. Teresa of Avila. They also have um, Thomas Aquinas for beginners. We have not tackled that one yet, yeah. but I hear it's phenomenal. That's so neat. there's a wide range of studies um, and something for everybody. But they're really well done. They're very solid, and they're just rich with church teaching. Hmm. Very neat. I'll have to check those out. Definitely. And then um, my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share or maybe something that's making your life a little easier? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Has anybody shared Evernote? 
No, but I okay. use Evernote. Use so Evernote? I'm glad you you're going to mention it. Yeah, I do love it. <laughs> okay. It's just really great for somebody that's trying to keep track of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> because I've tried so many like binders and notebooks and all these. I love like stationery and stuff like that, but I right. would never like, I never could figure out how to actually use it well. Uh-huh. So when Evernote came into my life, I was like, this is the answer. Because especially as a creative person, so as somebody that writes and speaks, I need to collect not just like, you know, grocery lists or gift ideas or recipes. And I use Evernote for all of those things, but also to collect ideas, quotes, um, you know, something from Facebook that somebody shared that I'm like, oh, that's perfect to illustrate this point or um, a, a uh, something from a chapter of a book that I'm reading that I need to just, I need to figure out how do I keep this until I can use it in an article or a post or a talk. And so Evernote, for those that don't know, it's a digital, basically it's like a digital notebook. Although I'd say it's almost more like a binder because you can just stick stuff in this digital notebook that you title, and then you can create a note for different things that go with it. So for example, Christmas, you know, you can have a notebook of Christmas and then you can have a note that has gift ideas for your kids and you can have a note that's a recipe you want to try, um, a note of the details to a Christmas party that you're going to or a sale that's going on at this store at this particular time. So you can collect all of these things. And then when you're ready to say, okay, what do I need to do today to get ready for Christmas? You go to that notebook and it's got all of those things just really easily laid out for you. So I use it a lot for writing and things like that so that when I'm working on a, a talk, I can go to that notebook where I've been collecting stories and quotes and ideas, and it just makes it really easy to put together. I don't know what I did without it. So that is my <laughs> little tip. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I really like it as well. And I, um, I what find that it's it helped. mostly? Well, I think it's helped reduce our paper clutter a lot. So maybe a year or two ago, I took all of our recipes and um, recipe recipe books where I had all my favorites marked, except I did save. So I have two kind of sentimental book uh, cookbooks that I've saved, but the rest, I just digital, you know, took pictures of all the favorite recipes and put them in Evernote. And I have them organized, you know, by, uh, you know, breakfast, dinner, dessert recipes, um, so I have yet to do that, but I need to oh, do that. Okay. So yeah, I, that. I really, I really like that. And I, I am pretty sentimental. So I save a lot of things. So I had like cards and notes from people that I had saved over the years. And so I just went through one day and took pictures of the ones that I really wanted to save. And then when it's able to recycle the rest and, <sighs> um, even just mail that comes in where, um, you know, if it's not an important physical document that I need, but it's something that I want to save for later, I'll just take a picture of it and then get rid of it. So I don't need to worry about, oh, where was that piece of paper? <laughs> you know, so that's yeah. primarily what I use it for. Um, or like a list of say books I want to read or, you know, a shopping list, uh, things like that as well. But here's the thing. I use the free version. I don't know if you, have you upgraded to the premium version or do you use the free version? I upgraded to the premium because I think, well, why did I do that? I think you could, you could send email straight to a note 
And oh. then I but then I don't use it as much as I thought I would. So I don't oh, know. Okay. I think if you're just going to go, I think the free version is probably as much as most of us would actually need. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I wondered about that, but yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Very neat. Um, well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people um, find out more about you or maybe if they ha- want, you know, want to ask you a question or get in contact, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Well, um, you could follow my blog at eventhesparrow.com, E-V-E-N-T-H-E-S-P-A-R-R-O-W. Um, definitely, um, check out, sign up for the national Catholic register and you can get, um, weekly emails from them, um, with the, the readings, um, reflections of the readings, um, of the week. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, that's something that I'm posting on, on regularly. Um, yeah. So just check out those places. I also write for endow. So check out endow groups. I think it's org. Um, and then spiritualdirection.com is a place where I am most active every day posting and editing and I moderate comments on there too. So Okay, great. You can find me lots of places and yeah. I'd love to connect with everybody. Wonderful. I will go ahead and link all those in the show notes as well for people who are interested. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Claire. And um, let me go ahead and just close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, the beauty of this this season And thank you for the start of a new liturgical year. Um, We pray, Jesus, that this Advent season we can be uh, more present to to those around us, especially our families, and um, more present to you, Lord, um, with with daily prayer and just reducing the clutter and noise in our minds and homes so that we can hear you more clearly. And Jesus, we we offer this prayer to you in, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hi, friends. Happy Liturgical New Year. I hope you are finding some peace and slowness at the start of this Advent season. As Claire mentioned, this season for us in the church can feel almost totally at odds with the busyness and chaos of the culture around us. I pray that this episode with Claire gave you some encouragement for making your home a sacred place set apart. This Advent, I'm really going to work on slowing my pace during the day and trying to be more present to my husband and kids, and even more importantly, present to the Lord. In the bonus Patreon episode, Claire was sharing how taking the time to pray each day helps us to more clearly hear God and better able to discern His voice. So whether it's an early morning for you before the kids wake up, or a nap time, or while you're nursing your baby, or while you're sitting in the floor in your kid's room while they run in circles around you, I pray that you are able to commit to spending time with the Lord in prayer every day this Advent. Thanks for listening in today, friends. You all are in my prayers. God bless.